Hello, everyone. My name is Glenn Davis, and welcome to today's podcast on sustainability reporting frameworks. As investors increasingly coalesce around the notion that environmental and social factors influence long-term financial performance, demand is accelerating for so-called non-financial information useful to investment decision-making, proxy voting, and engagement. And while the supply is increasing, it remains atomized and difficult to compare. Over the course of many years, a myriad of sustainability reporting frameworks has emerged, seeking to bring some standardization on a voluntary basis, with each one aiming in a nuanced way to improve company transparency and comparability in these areas. This fall, the CII Research and Education Fund, an affiliate of the Council of Institutional Investors, published a report primarily geared for chief investment officers of U.S. pension funds, but also useful to investors and companies more generally, particularly those who haven't spent a lot of time following how these frameworks stand apart from each other. The goal was not to endorse any one particular regime, but to provide a neutral assessment of the most commonly cited ESG reporting frameworks so that the market participants can draw their own conclusions about the approach or combination of approaches that will best serve their needs. Joining us today is Rhonda Brower, principal author of that publication. Rhonda's career has involved seeing investor issues from multiple angles, first as an international securities lawyer for Clary Gottlieb, then in the corporate secretary's office at the New York Times Company, then as corporate governance advisor with financial service provider Georgeson, and subsequently through her engagement team with the pension system of the New York City employees run by the city comptroller. Welcome, Rhonda. Thanks, Glenn. It's great to be here. So the paper touches on many reporting frameworks, but looks most closely at four of the most prominent ones, cognizant that framework overload is real. So could you start us off by giving us the lowdown on what those four are and how they fundamentally differ? Sure. The four that we focused on were one, CDP, formerly known as the Carbon Disclosure Project, which is actually a set of online questionnaires that create a global disclosure system for companies, cities, states, and regions to report out their environmental impact to their stakeholders. Second is GRI, or the Global Reporting Initiative, which has developed a set of reporting standards currently broken down by economic, environmental, and social standards, as well as a few general universal ones. Third is SASB, or the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, which has developed a set of reporting standards for 77 industries in 11 sectors around five dimensions, which are environment, social capital, human capital, business model and innovation, and leadership and governance. Fourth is TCFD, or the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, which are actually a set of detailed recommendations for reporting out climate-related issues, which can be done using one of the other sustainability frameworks. Okay, and on fundamental differences? We identified three primary ones. First, we talked about the audience. GRI and CDP focused on a company's impact on a broad range of stakeholders with particular attention focused on the environment and society. SASB and TCFD focus primarily on the relevance of ESG matters to investors and other financial market participants and how external conditions, specifically climate-related ones for TCFD, could impact a company's future financial condition and performance. Second, we focused on materiality with regard to each other and accounting standard setters such as FASB or the Financial Accounting Standards Board and IASB, the International Accounting Standards Board. 
SASB and TCFD adhere most closely to the accounting standard setters concepts of financial materiality to investors, particularly over the long run. Readers and listeners may want to take a look at SASB's materiality map, which maps out financially material issues across the 77 industries and proposes accounting metrics for each issue. This can be fun to play with for different purposes. Second, GRI relies on each company to determine which of its activities may have a material impact on the larger world and sustainable development, taking into account internal and external factors. Third, CDP does not ask responders to its questionnaires to make a materiality assessment, but implicitly its questionnaires include what its investor members have requested as material to them and to some extent, what companies expect as customers in their supply chains. The third differentiating factor are the formats for soliciting and disclosing ESG data. SASB has a more flexible approach than earlier in its development when it wanted to see the disclosures in filed documents. Now they are more flexible in recognizing that disclosures can appear in standalone SASB reports or a SASB reference table or index in company sustainability or corporate social responsibility or CSR reports. Companies are expected to include the financially material ESG disclosure topics and metrics that are in the industry standard for each company's industry or industries. GRI has disclosures that generally appear in CSR reports with a GRI index tied to the GRI standards that companies have selected based on their own materiality assessments. The data from these reports goes into a database that GRI generally makes free to the public. CDP's questionnaires are based on a company's environmental impacts related to climate change, water security, and forests with a separate supplier questionnaire for companies. Companies decide whether to make their disclosures public or not, although their non-supplier questionnaires are generally available to CDP's investor signatories. TCFD has four areas of focus, which are governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets with a strong recommendation for using different climate-related scenarios to show the resilience of company strategies, including a global warming scenario of 2 degrees Celsius or lower. TCFD has also moved off of requiring that disclosures appear in mainstream financial filings to acknowledge that other formats may be appropriate, such as sustainability reports. Depending on the disclosures that companies provide based on other frameworks, there may be enough overlap for another report to cover TCFD disclosures as well. Okay, so just to be clear, is it possible to comply with the TCFD recommendations by using any of the other three frameworks? Yes, it is possible, particularly given the global support for this initiative. Other reporting frameworks with TCFD support as well are publishing reports and doing webcasts on how this is possible. Listeners may want to look at the report itself, including some of the footnotes for further examples of these reports and webcasts. Okay, history plays an important role here. Which of these frameworks has been around the longest, and could you give us the background of how this evolved over a series of decades? Sure. GRI and CDP have the greater U.S. and global market penetration because they have been around the longest, around two decades. 
SASB and TCFD are newer players, but they are quickly gaining momentum with companies and investors both in the U.S. and abroad. This can be seen from such examples as the increased global participation in SASB's Investor Advisory Group and the fact that TCFD was founded by the G20's Financial Stability Board that provides ongoing encouragement and requests for ongoing status reports on company uptake. Okay, could you tell us about how these frameworks sustain themselves financially? Sure. TCFD at this point is only funded by Bloomberg LP. The other framework initiatives are funded by a various combination of funders that are set forth in more detail in the report's appendix, but which include philanthropic and government donors, including Bloomberg Philanthropies. Also, there are funding from members, signatories, and the communities for each of these frameworks as each has developed independently over time. Okay, I know the term inflection point is cliche, but it really does feel like interest in widely available and comparable information on ESG has established a foothold in the mainstream investor community. How do you think all of this is going to shake out over the next five years? That's a great question, Glenn. As I look into my crystal ball, I can see that the market will definitely change. How it will is still open to interpretation, but it could come from any combination of the things discussed in the last section of the report. Three examples include the possibility of ESG disclosure regulation in the U.S. and abroad, which will perhaps favor one of the framework initiatives over the others. Second, there's the possibility of private industry-led initiatives, as in the U.S. utility industry with EEI or the Edison Electric Institute's template for reporting as a primary example. Other initiatives in private industry are also apparently in the works. Third, there is the framework alignment initiatives, such as the Corporate Reporting Dialogue's Better Alignment Project two-year project. We're one year into that, but I personally find it hard to imagine that there will be a bowing out from one of the initiatives from the market, but time will tell how that develops. In the future, we could also expect that there will be a shakeout in the market for other market participants. For example, the different ESG rating and data providers can be expected to evolve over time, particularly if there is a movement to favor one initiative over the others. I also expect increased audits of ESG data in CSR and similar reports. This could benefit the account firms and the engineering firms who do these audits. Thanks. Our guest today was Rhonda Brower. The report is called Sustainability Reporting Frameworks, a Guide for CIOs, and you can find it by going to ciiref.org and clicking on the Research tab. Again, that's ciiref.org. Click on Research. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to this installment of CII's podcast series. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, 
please visit our website at www.cii.org.